another summer song, number 97. Number 97. King. We get to explore what that is and who he is and discover more about his uh, his presence, what that means and how that looks uh, here on earth as we dig into this song, Psalm 97. The Lord is King, Psalm 97, verse 1. The Lord is King, let the earth rejoice, let the farthest coastlands be glad. Many of the Psalms, many of the English translations say that the Lord reigns, which would be good, you know, in a drought. That's a different kind of rain. But we... I like this one. This is New Living Translation, and I like the idea of king. It means reigns, that he is that he is the one reigning, but I like the idea, the picture of him sitting on that throne, being in charge, and his taking control of things that seem to be so out of control. And he is sitting in his place, and because of his attributes, his character, his goodness, his love, the way he handles justice and truth, that that king is the one who we want to hear from. That one is the one who sits on the throne. When he does, let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. When he is in charge, when he reigns, when he is running the show, then it's good. It's really good. And the psalmist starts to lay this out so we kind of get a picture of who he is because there are times when you think of a king and we don't, since we don't have one, we uh, have to look at stories or look at Europe or look somewhere else to, to find a king. And we don't respond to that kind of authority and we don't experience that kind of authority. Uh, the king was absolute and the time that the psalm was written. The the king was the person who made the decisions about where the army would go. He made the decisions on commerce and trade things and, and how much food went to to the capital, how much went to the outlying areas. He made the decisions on if... He liked somebody or he didn't like them or their hair was cut weird. He just off with your head. It just, uh, absolute authority. So when we come to uh, you know, 1776, some things began to change here in America because they saw that the king having really a whole lot of authority, he didn't have absolute authority by the time you get to King George III, but it was enough. And it was problematic. And they said, we need to divide that power up. So we have divided power. And that's what we're used to. But absolute power is everything in one person. Which is good when you have a good king. It's really bad when you have a bad king. In this case, the good king. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. He's above all. This is, this is uh, verses 2 through 3. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all his foes. We've got a, an image as, as the psalm is being developed. 
an image that takes us to this picture and to a place where this actually happens. And if you read this without this context, you may miss it. So we're going to the context. Exodus 19. They have come out of, the people of Israel, led by Moses, have come out of Egypt. They've seen God do amazing things with plagues to convince Egypt that they needed to go. They've seen God open up the Red Sea so they could walk across it safely. They've seen God take out the Egyptian army all with a wave of his hand. He's just taking care of all these things. Now they are at Mount Sinai. And they are camped all around. And he is revealing himself because he's got some things he wants them to know. He wants them to know him, and he's going to give them some instructions. So at Mount Sinai, they're about to receive all of that, and they get to see this. So this is where they are. Moses climbs a mountain, this verse 3, to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob, Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation." This is the message you must, give, you must give to the people. This is great. I mean, this is just, just saying that. You are these special people. You've come out of all of the other lands, all these other nations, influenced by other gods, other ways of thinking. I'm bringing you to myself. And you are going to be, as it states, kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I want you to remember... Those words are used again by Peter, the Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and he says the same thing to those who know Christ. You are a new people. You are a holy people. You are called out from the world to come to know the one true king, the one true God, and you are going to be a kingdom of priests. You are going to be this holy people. You are going to be my people. And, he, and he's turning that toward the people in the, who now gathers the church. And this is the message he tells Moses, you must give to the people. Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Now remember, he's climbing a mountain every time. He's 80 years old. This is that's hard on this guy. Spring back then. That's right, up and down and up and oh my! So he's back up the mountain. Yeah, just track his many trips up and down during this whole passage is like wow. Then the Lord said to Moses, "I will come to you in a thick cloud, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you." Moses told the Lord. What the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. And on the third day, have them watch. 
So mark off a boundary around the mountain. Warn the people, don't, don't go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. So there's the seriousness of this whole thing. Um, don't let an animal touch it. If they cross the boundary, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. So when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain, but not till that time. So Moses went down to the people, consecrated them for worship, and they washed their clothes, get ready for the third day. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared. You gotta, here's the picture. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord said, Go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around and set it apart as holy. And the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priest or the people break through to approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. And then if you've seen the movie with Charlton Heston, he goes back up the mountain and the Lord writes out the Ten Commandments. So up and down. He does a lot of up and down. But look at that picture. The Lord comes down. There are dark clouds. And it's like smoke rising. There's lightning. There's fire. It's all breaking loose as God meets with people to give them his instructions. He says, I'm going to bring you out as a holy people. But... Guess who's in charge here? And do not cross that boundary. Don't even come up on that boundary. Do not, or you will be destroyed. How serious is it? But for those he's allowed, come up, come up. It's safe. Verses 2 and 3. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all his foes. So he is... The image of God on the mountain, who is righteous, which means he does things right. He is the one who holds all of truth in his hands. He's going to accomplish what needs to be done properly. He will do what is just. He weighs it in his scale. He's not looking for anyone else's input. He knows the ins and outs, the truth. And righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And then the fire spreads out from him and it will consume his enemies and those who violate, who do not obey what he has told them. And these are the people he's just rescued and he's willing to take them out if they don't listen. That probably doesn't apply to anyone else like us, right? Just do what you want. 
No. He is the God Almighty, the King who sits on the mountain, and this is his place. So that image is in the mind of these people as they come to this psalm. They know what this is referring to. They know what that means and who this God is when they read that. He is Lord of all the earth, verses 4 and 5. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. He is coming, and when he does, he comes in glory, and he comes in power, and his lightning is flashing around the world, and the earth sees it and trembles. Get, the earth knows how to respond. Every nation, verse 6, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. All around, when we look up into the heavens and we see the, the moon, the stars, when we see all of that unfolding, it, it, in the daytime we see the sun, but at night we're seeing all these other displays, and God is revealing himself through all of that, saying, this is, this is me. And every time you see a sunrise or a sunset, it's me. It's proclaiming his righteousness that he has this all together. He's molded it just so, and it works just as it ought, so that the sun is coming up when it's supposed to and sets when it's supposed to, and the earth is hung where it's supposed to, third planet out from the sun, and it has held on to this position. It's not wobbly. We haven't moved to the fifth position. He's putting everything in the right order so that when we look into the heavens, it's proclaiming he has this together. He is doing it just exactly as it should, mathematically precise. That, And every nation, every people group, every ethnic group, every race around the world sees his glory because everybody can look up. Everyone can look around at creation. Everyone is invited to see the God of glory. So that's every, the Lord of all the earth, every nation, everyone. This is from Romans 1, 19 to 20. So we got this idea from Psalm 97. We come to Romans 1. They know the truth about God. And Paul is talking about the people who do not know him at this point. They, knew the, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. All around them is creation. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Well, God hasn't shown up. He hasn't shown me. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't revealed himself to me, and he does it every day. Any direction they look, up, down, around, every moment of every day, everyone, everywhere can see God. And there is no excuse because he's everywhere present, and his creation reveals him. And we're reminded of that in this psalm. Every God, must, every God must bow. So we have every nation, we have every one, we have every God must bow. Verse 7. Those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods 
for every god must bow to him. All those other gods, all those other powers, all those influences that people are listening to, the small g gods all around the world, dragging people, telling them what they can do and how, they can serve, how, they, how they're better than other people or one nation over another, or one group of people over another, all those things that are happening, people listening to that influence and, and they think, you know, I don't need to listen to God. I can, I can do it this way or I'm smarter or I read this book or I listened to this guy or I saw it on YouTube and it's just... And the psalmist is saying 3,000 years ago, you know, those gods just don't come through. In fact, all of them, all of them are going to bow before this God, before the king, because he is the creator of all things. All who brag about the worthless gods, mm, going to be disgraced. The Lord is supreme. Verses 8 and 9. Jerusalem has heard and rejoiced, and all the towns of Judah are glad because of your justice, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. If you remember that when Antiochus came to Jerusalem, he invaded. This is before the time of Christ, and he wants to set up worship to other gods in the temple. And then the Romans show up and they go, yeah, we want to set up worship to other gods in the temple. And the people are having a fit over these things and they know this is, this is just bad news. And here we are told, this is way before all that happens, God, Jehovah, you, you are exalted above all other gods. There is no one else. No one has created all these things or these other beings. You did it all. And this is a reminder of all of that. Jerusalem is heard and rejoiced, and all the towns of Judah are glad because of your justice, O Lord. You are supreme over all the earth. And in those days, the idea of gods was they were they were national guards or, or gods, I mean, national gods or group gods or tribal gods or they had gods in different areas and those sort of happened after the time of Babel. But this is, this is a, um, the working of, of these people in different places and they are connecting their God with their victories. If, if it's a time when Greece is victorious, then their gods are victorious. If Egypt is victorious and the gods of Egypt are victorious or Rome, whoever it is. And the psalmist is saying, no, no, there's one. There's one who is over all the gods, over all the nations, over all the earth. And there is no one higher, no one more exalted, far above all gods. And there's a different life. You who love the Lord, verse 10 of Psalm 97 you who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. And the wicked are those who have turned away from God. They, they follow other gods. They're doing these abhorrent things in, in the way that they live. And God is saying, nope, I'm going to protect you from them. You walk with me, and, and I will keep your mind on me. I will keep it on the pure things and move you in another direction in your life. So 
You who love the Lord hate evil, and he protects the lives of his godly people. He will rescue them. Walk in the light, that's another one. Verse 11, light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. Just imagine those who are walking with God, the, the, the light that he brings, the light of truth, the light of love that he brings into reality is reflected on and comes through his people. Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. And you've been around long enough to know if you're not walking with the Lord, if you don't have those things right, that heaviness sets in. You can walk into a room where someone is just caught up in all of that, uh, doing their own thing, going their own way, and the darkness is just, you can almost cut it with a knife, it's so thick. And you feel that pressure, you feel a heaviness that just settles. You can, it's on your shoulders and almost drips. It's just there and it, it, those who are uh, walking with God who rejoice in him and turn their attention to him focus on him uh, worship the king light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right and that light comes in the joy enters and there's a whole different way of processing life of dealing with the good the bad the difficulties and whatever may come Part of that's being different. Verse 12, may all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Just turning to him. The godly are respective of who he is. They understand he is the king. He is the one who has control of all that is unfolding, that he is the one who holds justice in his hands. He's the one who hands out this light and love and the joy comes from being right with him may all who are godly rejoice in the lord and praise his holy name so to rejoice here's our rejoice list the lord is king the people see his glory see it all around at that time when they're at Mount Sinai, they saw him on the mountain, they understood that, and that story had been passed along, so those people were current with that. But he's showing himself in all of creation, all the way around us. The people see his glory. The Lord is exalted above all gods, all those influences, all those other uh, beings that are out there, but also the other ideas, the philosophies that those beings have stirred up the acts of war that they stir up, the division that they stir up, all of those things, the Lord is exalted above all of them, all of those ideas that are floating around out there, and the other gods. The Lord shines his light on his godly people. The Lord shines his light on his godly people. And if you've been wandering around, if you've experienced the darkness, and you know the difference, because when the light comes, Everything else comes into perspective. Colors get brighter. Songs are sound better. It's just life turns as a result. So rejoicing is easy when we have him as king. Rejoicing just comes with every breath because of what he is and what he has done. And we get to be part of that. The Lord is king. 
Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. And us too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for for being you, for being with us, for, for revealing yourself in so many ways. Thank you for what you've done in the people of Israel, how you revealed yourself to them. And then to people around the world through creation, you've revealed yourself to us. Lord, you've made yourself known in ways that, that we didn't even expect. And each of our stories would be surprising. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that you're with us here today and that you are work in our lives. Lord, to remind us of those who have come before us, those who are already in your presence, and uh, they're experiencing that joy already of what heaven is all about, and that we get to be here knowing that they are waiting for us and, and that we get to meet with you and connect, reconnect with them, and then we get to live out this life now by pointing to you, by, by lifting up your name, by pointing others to you. Thank you for allowing us to know you at all. And we rejoice in your wonderful name. Thank you. Amen.